Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good friend, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Yeah, me too. It's uh, been a long week for me. I had painters in my house all oh, week. Oh, you told me about that. How's yeah. it going? Are the fumes, have you sufficiently like made your head spin or what's going on? The fumes haven't been too bad, uh, or maybe that's just what I believe at this point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like having the house torn up, because it was like the entire inside. So they were there for three days and it was a big job and they did a great job. And uh, But I'm glad they're gone. I'm glad it's over. How's it look? You happy with the results? Looks good. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, pretty neutral color because it's just the whole, like, all the main areas. So, you know, we weren't going with a lime green or anything there. But, uh, yeah, it looks good. And, like I said, they did a they did a great job. You know, there, there wasn't any, you know, thing where I had to go back to them at the end and be like, well, you punched a hole in this wall. So. Oh, that's, well, hey, that's that's always a good thing when you have workers in the house. Right. You'll yeah. have to show me the next time I'm, uh, I'm out there and have time to drop by. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Swing by and check it out. I know. I am going to be out there next week, but I'm going to be in the city. Uh, unfortunately, not out in the burbs to yeah. see you at, speak at an event on Wednesday. But um, but I'll be back out there in the near future, I'm sure. For sure. Definitely. Yeah, where are you going to be next week? Up in Wrigleyville, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm speaking at um, a, a, an event called the ISV Connect Summit. It's, it's a, an event that's geared toward the owners of software companies um, and then they're the, you know, the developers that they work with. And it's kind of an audience that we've been trying to trying to court a bit here at CompTIA. We're trying to get more of the companies that are in, in that space into our membership or just to get on our radar. Um, and so I think it'll be a good opportunity. And the event is devoted specifically to channel topics and um, trying to get these ISVs to understand why it's important for them to consider building an indirect channel because a lot of them don't. A lot of these are small SaaS players and um, they were still selling direct mainly and they haven't yet built a channel. And But they're, as they grow, they're figuring out, oh, we're not going to be able to cover all this with the sales reps we have. And that may, and so, so, so it's actually, I, I mean, I've never been to this conference before. I think it's going to be relatively small, but, uh, it, but targeted in a way that's good for what we're kind of looking for. And, um, and I think I can be helpful in terms of framing the channel conversation for these guys and women. Yeah, I'll uh, look forward to hearing about it. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it out there to to catch your your gig, but I'll hear yeah, all about it we, when you're done. Yeah, it's in Wrigleyville, so usually you know we're either you know right downtown, so it'll be you know a different neighborhood and be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. Well, last so, week we talked about my research in artificial intelligence, and this week we're talking about research that you have coming up in the next couple of weeks around con- customer experience, right? That's right. Yes. Um, this is a new new research that we've not done before. This is the first time we've tackled this topic. And um, it's been in the news. I, um, for those of you listeners out there, I'm sure you've, you've heard all about um, the uh, customer experience and how companies that deal, um, whether they're retail companies or service providers or, you know, your utility provider even are trying to think of ways to use the new technology tools and platforms and user preferences that are varied um, to put together a good strategy for what we call the customer experience. I know that's sort of a buzz buzz phrase, but it does apply in this case. And so what we wanted to do with this study, though, is is narrow this down to what the channel is doing. Um, so those who are you know in the business of selling technology or influencing the sale of technology and what they're doing 
to re-architect, if they're re-architecting, the way that they interact with customers and what kind of tools they're using and how they are communicating with customers. And and so we took a look at that. And it's interesting stuff. I think the channel is still in the nascent phase of embracing all of these new options for dealing with customers. But they're being driven in that direction uh, largely by the, like I said, there's two things. There's the new, newer technologies that have emerged, whether it's artificial intelligence, to, to, to reference your report, Seth, or um, new types of website navigation or, uh, or chatbots or whatever it happens to be. Um, and then also they're getting pressure from their customers themselves who um, are splintered uh, in the ways that they want to uh, communicate with um, the providers that they work with. Um, some are very traditional and, you know, would still want to actually go to a storefront and go in and, and take a poke around at what the, the channel company is selling. You know, there are others who want to strictly want to work on e- in e-commerce mode. There are those that would prefer never to actually speak with a human being and just do everything in electronically via um, some sort of art- artificial intelligence or chatbot. Um, the desire for personalization is very high, especially among younger users. Uh, so that is makes it incumbent upon some of the channel companies who want to be able to provide personalization to get up to speed on data analytics. So they're actually figuring out a granular level of what their customers like and how their customer wants to be sold to, how their customer wants to purchase, how their customer wants to receive customer support. Uh, so I wanted, yeah, I wanted to jump in real quick on the personalization because when I was looking through your data and reading uh, the, the first draft of the report here, I, I know that in our Outlook study, we had a lot of people saying that they wanted to look into personalization. And it looked like you didn't dive into that too much here, but you've got a couple data points that make me wonder how much people understand what goes into personalization. We, we've talked before about the use of data by channel firms or by a lot of other companies. Uh, and a lot of companies aren't where they want to be with data. And when they're saying they want to personalize the services, that means they have to start collecting new streams of data from the customer. And I, I wonder that, you know, as much as they want to personalize, do they understand what that prerequisite of collecting data looks like? And then the second thing that kind of jumped out to me was when you're talking about the buyer journey and you said uh, in the survey, which parts of the buyer journey do you think are the most important? It seemed like that was slanted towards the end of the buyer journey, which I think traditionally we would expect. But I think in this new customer experience world, I would sort of expect to see people saying the beginning part of that journey is where I need to learn about the customer and start personalizing that experience for them, not after they've already bought the product and and we've gotten it installed. So do you think that... um, those two things are are pieces that the the channel maybe needs to realize a little bit more moving forward. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I I totally get what you're saying. I think that the 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 bit about the buyer's journey and the fact that it seems like the emphasis is being placed on things that happen after the sale, right? So ongoing support. Those are traditional areas where the channel plays. Um, they, they'll do support services after the fact. They'll do integration services after the fact. And and those are the touch points that they, I think, most relate to from a historical standpoint with the customer. But you're 100% right. If you really want to get into um, this enhanced customer experience, which involves this personalization, that data collection piece has to really happen on the front end. And I think we, you know, so I think channel companies can talk out of both sides of their mouths here. So yes, we want to do this personalization thing, but you're right, they may not have 
any real idea yet um, how to get there. And we've seen that just in, in data analytics capabilities. The channel, that's one of the things that they're still lacking. It's not a specialty area for a lot of channel companies. So I think they need to develop that piece of their business. Um, and, and that explains, though, why some of the more old school types of uh, work that they do for their customers are still the things that they rely on as the most important touch point within that buyer's journey. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they catch up on the data piece. And and the other thing is, and I wonder about this from an end customer standpoint, is they you know they say they want personalization, but then they also say they don't like data being collected about themselves. Um, and so there's privacy considerations. So I think both not, not only are the the channel providers seeming to talk two sides. I think customers do the same thing. They they love to be, they love to be um, catered to on a personal level. Like, oh wow, this provider really understands me and my needs and this. But then, if you think about it and reverse engineer it, how did they figure this out? Well, they collected a bunch of data on me, and wow, am I comfortable with that? And I think there's a little bit of a friction there, you know. And I think that all of this this CX stuff has that component to it really cool great you know but also wait a minute this might be a little bit mm, creepy to me that, that's a great point I, I think you're right about customers talking out of both sides of their mouth and wanting the personalization but not wanting to give up their data and i think this is the the tension that so many companies that are building up their data practices have to deal with is the transparency and and really saying here's what I'm going to provide you, but here's what I need from you, and here's what I'm going to do with that information. Uh, and in a lot of cases, they don't want to explain exactly what they're going to do because they feel like that's proprietary. They, they, they're they able to take data and turn it into that personalization, and they want to keep some of that under the covers. And so I think it's a, it's a fascinating tension that we're going to see play out over the next several years as people start to think more and more about giving up their data and wanting to have more control over that and wanting the companies that they deal with to be very forthcoming on that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that this is something we'll be able to talk about. We've already touched on this a lot in, in on um, past volleys, but I, I think it's going to be a subject that that's going to have to get sorted out because there's a, there's a lot of um, contradiction in what customers say they want and what they're willing to, to do to get it, and then vice versa, what a channel company says they're capable of doing and then really what they are doing. So um, I think that that's going to be an ongoing friction. Um, and, and to that, and along the same lines, I'll jump into a another topic here that's part of this study, though, is that, um, and this is this goes to the same point we're making here, is that, you know, the, you might be talking a big game, but then are you backing it up? And so channel firms are saying, well, you know, what are they doing to kind of advance their capabilities in the CX area? And a lot of it has to do with human resources. It's not just the technology tools that we talk about, but most of these companies say, oh, we're, we're going to you know, hire a lot of customer service reps. We're going to hire business development people. We're going to hire a marketing professional and a social media professional. And whether or not that's actually happened is unclear. And we did ask that question, all of the, what, how many of these individuals in these job roles do you have on staff as a follow-up to after they answered um, aspirationally how they were going to hire all of these people? Well, the reality is they really don't have that many people uh, who are in these roles. And these roles are the front end and they're critical to how you communicate in new ways to the customers, how you market yourself in new ways to the customers, and how you sell. Um, and, and, and we, if you look at the numbers and I won't, I don't have them here in front of me, but it's interesting. Um, you know, most of these channel firms are very small and the smallest ones 
uh, of them, I think this is the one data point I can remember because it's stuck in my head, almost 70% of the smallest channel firms have zero customer support employees, zero. So I don't know who you call when you have a problem, but you know, so it's, you know, it's somebody else, but they don't have it. And, and part of making this customer experience work is having people in those support roles um, and in the marketing and social roles um, throughout the organization. And I don't know, I think that's going to be a real cost and training challenge for most of channel companies that, as you know, are, are, are small in size. It's interesting uh, when you're talking about that. I'm thinking that it, it sounds like so many of our other studies that we do that people have this idea of some new thing that's happening in the market that they want mm -hmm. to do, but they're not even doing the, the basics, right? So they, they say, we really want to personalize the service that we're giving our customer. And then you would say, well, what service are you even giving them? But, you know, you don't have a customer support <laughs> specialist. You don't have sure. these things, right? So you've got to start with some of the, the, the basics and, and then get to the point where you're, you're collecting the data that can feed into um, a service or a support line or something that you maybe should already have. And, and I don't want to say that they, they should already have it, but it's just you've got to walk before you can run, right? Yeah, totally. And that's why part of the study, the very front end of the study was just asking basic questions about all of the customer-related activities or functions that, that a company has asking these respondents um do they do these these functions and if they do them are they formalized um and that sounds very wonky but it's really important a lot of these small companies oh yeah we do we've got a, a customer recruitment process or we've got we've got support process or we do we do customer training and then when you ask them a follow-up well is it formalized are the processes around those functions within your business formalized in some way that they're repeatable and your employees all know about them and this is the, the this is what you do in a um, in a codified kind of way and those numbers drop really dramatically so it's it's very um, it's very ad hoc how a lot of these functions are done within these smaller organizations and you know my recommendation and our recommendation at Comtia is until you take stock of, of how well you do just the basics of the customer activities and then formalize them. Because without formalization, what we found, there's, there's a direct correlation to, the, to things not working the way that they should. And, and a lot of these small companies are very willy-nilly about how they do this stuff. So before you start talking, like you said, walk before you run, before you start talking about the futuristic stuff that you're going to do and all the cool personalization and everything, um, you might want to take a look at exactly how you're functioning today with the basics and get those up to speed before you try to these new things. And th this applies to almost everything that we see, as you said there, that um, the channel companies try when new things are out there. It's like, all right, you know what? Are you efficient today before you start adding something new to, to what you're doing? And I think that this customer experience stuff fits right into that same um, that same due process, I guess to, is a good way to put it, that they need to go through. I know we've talked a lot on the podcast and a few weeks ago or a few episodes ago, we talked really specifically about the technology industry and, and what's changing in it and how it's moving to a new stage of maturity and how it's like a lot of other industries and how it's maybe not like a lot of other industries. And I think this is one where, you know, customer experience becomes important when all of a sudden there are new choices for those customers. If, if you've got a customer and you, they, there's not a lot of choice, you know, they don't know where they can get their technology, they've got to work with you, um, and it's, it's kind of a mystery and they're, they're not real savvy around technology, 
um, then, then there doesn't have to be as much focus on it. But all of a sudden, if they can start going direct to a cloud provider, if they can start getting software from wherever they want to get it from, if they can start building some of their own things, and if they've built up some, some more of that technical expertise in their own house, uh, then all of a sudden, it really does matter a lot. And so it's not just the new technology that's come along that helps people reach customers better. It's not just the new artificial intelligence or whatever that gives you the streams of information that you can turn into personalization. It's the fact that this space has changed. And as important as customer experience maybe has always been, it's even more important now because there are so many more choices and so much more awareness of what technology is and how systems get built. Oh yeah, customers are so more savvy. They have so many more choices. You you read the statistics out there that you know a customer today has one one crappy experience with a, a technology provider, and that, that's it. They're done. They move to a new brand, um, and 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 they they're they're they scrutinize much more in making their choice and and so this is this is all part of the maturation of the tech industry and uh and 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 you're right they're it's difficult to get a customer to be sticky with you today because they can they can be finicky if they want um and they will they will definitely leave you if you are not providing them exactly what they want unless of course it's your cable company and then you're kind of locked in but you know um uh but um but you know but but you're but you're right and i think that's a real challenge um to be to have a differentiator and it's why the cx stuff is so important is because everybody out there in this channel um in this channel pool are, are struggling right now to find a way to differentiate themselves and if there's one holy grail there it's if you have the best customer service and the best customer experience um you will find loyalty and and uh and so i think that's what they're all kind of swimming toward and trying to get there um but i think it's gonna be very challenging so what do you think the next steps are here for a lot of these firms it sounds like there's some investment in technology it sounds like there's some consideration of the skills that they need to have on board and it sounds like there's some understanding of what modern customer experience looks like. Yeah, and I think that the next thing that they need to do is to dive deeper into their customers' um, uh, preferences and and then also toe the line with you know the data collection and whether or not that's going to tick the customers off. But all three of those things. Technology is important. I think the human resources piece is very important. They're going to finally have to bite the bullet and say, hey, we, we, we need a marketing person on staff. For a lot of these small companies, they have held out as long as they can to not have to do that. And, and, and I think that that's a mistake. I don't think you can really craft a good modern day customer experience um, strategy without some of those types of professionals on your staff. So it may be that, you know, this is, this may be an investment period for these companies, um, which a lot of channel firms don't like that. They're very risk averse and they really, uh, you know, they've got tight purse strings, but unfortunately, um, to meet these new expectations that customers have, um, they're going to have to think about opening their wallet a little bit more. Um, and uh, and you know, I think I think those are the things that we're going to see over the next few years. And then those who make the big investments are probably going to get the payoff versus those who don't. Do you think there's a step here? I, I don't remember if you've got this data point or not off the top of my head, but. Um, you know, this might not even be all that costly, but just to to really get your finger on the pulse of your customers today, to do customer satisfaction survey or something like that. Do you know yeah. how many 
companies are currently doing something like that and how many maybe should be doing something like that? Yeah, we've got, we had a question on the, on the survey about that. You know, how are you, what your metrics are basically to gauge, you know, how you're doing with respect to your customers and um, customer satisfaction surveys are the number one thing. Um, and a lot of channel firms do do those. And a lot of vendors require their partners to do those so that they can see how well. And then that's, that's a very common thing that, you know, a Microsoft, for instance, will require partners in its partner program uh, to be doing a customer sat uh, survey and then also sharing the results with Microsoft. Um, and just to use them as an example. Um, other companies are, you know, they, they, they measure their renewal rates. So customer retention and renewal gets measured. Um, um, I asked on the survey, one of the questions was whether you've ever had a bad review on, and do you monitor them like Yelp reviews or whatever? And, um, and uh, not, not a majority did, but some, you know, uh, I think it was about 30% said they had had a negative review and it kind of jarred them and they, you know, they needed to, um, make some, uh, adjustments and uh, to try to um, work through that and make sure that they didn't get it anymore. A lot of times they send out, you know, post customer support types of surveys. So after customers had an interaction over um, a problem that they had and they had to have it troubleshooted, they'll they'll do a survey about that. Um, so yeah, they are they are using a lot of metrics and tools, and I think that's a good thing. Um, I think that's a great way to capture data as well, um, and, can, and and as we talked about at the outset here, help them figure out what their customer is all about. Um, but yes, um, the metrics are in place. Um, not everyone's doing them, but a, a fairly high percentage at least have some mechanism for measuring whether or not their customers are happy. Well, I'm sure this is going to be uh, an ongoing topic among our communities and our membership groups. Uh, so hopefully they will all rush out and, and get your research as soon as it's available and read through every line and ask all kinds of questions. Oh, I hope so. I think uh, what we're shooting for, um, the availability of this uh, will be mid-June, probably the third week in June. The beginning of the third week is when it will be publicly available. Uh, okay. On for everybody so we'll uh, maybe on the on the next volley i'll have a we you know we might have a link that we can put in the show notes um for folks and yeah so that's about it very good well we'll look forward to it getting published and uh like i said i'll be interested to see exactly how everyone receives it yeah maybe i'll get a wall street journal placement like you did this morning mm, maybe Maybe yeah. <laughs> they hand them out to very special people. So <laughs> I know, I'm sure you will get one. <laughs> very special people. <laughs> All righty, my friend. Well, I'm off to Vermont tomorrow to go visit my daughter at college for the night. She's look, looking forward to a dinner out, I think. And so uh, that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to doing myself. I hope you're going to have a good weekend. Yeah, uh, mostly putting the house back together, I think. That's so. true. You get the fun of peeling the tape off, or do they do that for they you? They did all that. Um, oh. It's just, you know, we'll be kind of moving things, cleaning things, not, not putting stuff back on the wall yet until the paint sets a little bit more. But, yeah, putting it all look together it. and just enjoying a quiet house. Good luck with that. Um, you get to see it. You could always send me a picture too. Sure. <laughs> All right. Put that I'd in the show notes too. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one. All right. Have a good one. See you.